0: Julie Johnson is not only one of the top senior professionals in the game, she's also the mother of JW and Georgia, both of whom are professional players. They were even named the Rookie of the Year by the APP. Julie talks about how JW chose pickleball over tennis, why Georgia's involvement in the sport is surprising, and with so much going on, Julie can find herself distracted on the court, so she discusses how she and the family is handling all of this. Let's get to the intro to hear from Julie. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Julie Johnson. Welcome, Julie. Thank you, Lynn. Glad
1: to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: I am so glad you're here. And I know your kids, JW and Georgia are off uh, doing pickleball probably somewhere else. But Go ahead and tell me a little bit about your origin story, how you got started playing pickleball, and how long ago that was.
1: Well, it's interesting because four years ago, uh, my family moved from Kansas to Florida for my son's tennis, actually. And when we moved, we really knew nobody uh, here So in the evenings, we just went out and started looking for things to do. And we saw these pickleball courts and we'd been briefly introduced to it a few months before we moved. And so we all bought a paddle and we would go out and play and nobody thought anything of it. Nobody anticipated anything happening with that. And then as the kids got in school and they got friends and J-Dub got involved in the tennis academy... I just kept playing because it was so nice that I could just go to the course. At this point, we'd moved from Naples over to Delray, and I could go to the Delray Beach Tennis Center, and I didn't have to call anybody, organize a game. I could just go, and I could play an hour, or I could play four hours, and I loved it. And then I got a little more involved, and I'd go sometimes in the evenings, and the kids would say, where are you going, Mom? I said, I'm going to go play pickleball, and I said, well, we want to come. And we just all start kept playing more and playing more, except for my husband. He didn't really get into pickleball that much at first. He kept J-Dub lined up in his tennis. And so anyway, that's kind of the origins of how it all got started. And then the pan, the pandemic hit, and it really did a number on tennis. Pretty much, since tennis is so global, it shut down tournaments pretty much ex- just across the board, but there was still some pickleball going on. And uh, used to my son is JW is used to always training and tournaments were just a part of his life. And so we started going to some pickleball tournaments to fill the time until tennis got started. And he started doing better and better. So that's kind of how we got started and everything.
0: Now your family, in terms of pickleball, has had so much success in this last year or so, and. Not everybody might know about your family in terms of their pickleball. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with JW and Georgia.
1: Well, there's a lot. There's a lot going on with those two. I can hardly keep up with them right now. So they, boy, well, I guess to kind of carry on with the story I was telling you about JW, he was still in tennis and pickleball until last June. And last June, we took a month and we did four tournaments in California and we were out there the whole time. And my husband and I, what's going to happen when he comes back? Because he'd never not played tennis for that long. So we came home and after being gone a month and he got up the next day and said, I'm going to go to tennis. And we said, okay. (laughs) So then we talked and we told him, JW, we support you a 1000%, whatever you want to do. If you want to play tennis, we have you, we've got it. But these tennis academies charge us whether you're there or not. And it's incredibly expensive. And so if you want to have a foot in both worlds, you're going to need to make a decision. Okay. And we're not going to pay for tennis anymore. If you're still leaving every weekend for pickleball tournaments. And That kind of set him back a minute and he went out and played pickleball the next day and he's never gone back to tennis since. (laughs) So that's kind of his story and what happened. And I said for a while, he we like for about two weeks, none of us made any eye contact at home. We all felt so weird. (laughs) We're like, is this okay? Did he really do that? Are you okay? Am I okay? And now he has never looked back. He's so happy, very content. And Georgia, on the other hand, was more traditional. She never liked tennis, but you know, she liked athletic things. So she started going because there were young friends. Typically, pickleball is kind of thought of as a sport for older people, but where we are in Southeast Florida, there are lots of young people who play. And Georgia was going into high school, and I said, We need to get you situated in school. And she said, Mom. I really want to do online school and start training really hard and do pro pickleball with J Dub. And I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> so it kind of surprised me because she'd never quite taken it as seriously. She's never taken a sport seriously enough to like like JW, it was natural to him. So they both have started with their fitness training and they eat a very regimented diet. And they have just jumped in with both feet to this whole pickleball world and they are having a blast. I, they, I can't even begin to tell you the joy of seeing him compete as a pickleball player versus what it was like as a tennis player. So I don't know exactly the difference in his mind, but tennis is quite, Oh, it's very cutthroat and, solitary and pickleball. He's got friends and has been welcomed and is in a great community, and I've never seen the kid happier.
0: Now, do you believe that's why he did choose pickleball over tennis?
1: I have a very strong suspicion, yes, that it is. When it came down to it, he also had a training partner that he played with all the time, and the young man is has been in Turkey on the challenger circuit. And he's been over there for about eight months. And I think when it really hit JW, that he was going to have to leave the family and go travel internationally a lot for, and what a grind that was going to be. I think that also kind of helped. Like it, it didn't look so glamorous then. So
0: yeah. Now, just recently, I believe the APP named JW and Georgia rookies, of the year. And how old are the kids? Cause that's one thing you talked about George's in high school. I think JW's a little bit older. How old are they and how do they manage all the travel? Cause like I'm talking to you here today, I think you're probably in Florida and they're somewhere out West, I think.
1: Yes. My husband has them in Arizona. That's right. So Georgia's 15 and she's doing an online schooling, which allows her to be able to travel. She has done a good job of just making sure that she keeps up with her school and her training. It requires her to be pretty diligent, and she has to be pretty focused most of the time on what she's doing. J.W. graduated high school in May, and he has never been a huge lover of school, and he said, Mom, can I just take a year and... Start up on this pickleball and I'll, I want to train and then we can talk about college. I said, That's fine, go ahead. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of, and he's 19.
0: He turned 19 in November. Now, what do you think JW's defining moment has been so far?
1: I think one of the biggest turning points for him, there's a couple you kind of look back and you wonder as a mom. It meant a lot to him when he fr- won his first gold medal, which he won with Leia Jansen in mixed doubles in Indianapolis. And I think that was right before the month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it was exactly the week before we went to California for the month of June. And then while he was in California, he started getting better partner offers. And then if you fast forward to the middle of August, he was able to win the men's gold with his good friend, Johnny Goldberg. In New Jersey and he was pretty pumped about that but JW had played mostly APPs and some PPAs and so right after we actually flew from New Jersey to tournament of champions in Utah so we get there and I have zero expectations because this is a huge tournament it's one of the premier tournaments of pickleball and the day of singles was actually Georgia's birthday, and it's raining and cold. And they moved the whole tournament to this indoor facility. And Georgia said, I can't believe I'm sitting in Utah in the rain on my birthday. Mom, can I just stay here? I don't even want to go. I said, so that's fine. And so then that was the day that JW beat Ben Johns and Tyson to win the gold at TOC and singles. And he walked up the stairs. There was an upper level viewing deck when he won, and I would have been sitting up there with Lee Whitwell watching the whole thing in shock. And he had the biggest smile on his face. And he looked at me, he goes, I did it. (laughs) Then I think he said one of his usual lines, like who knew? (laughs) And it was so special to me to see that and to be a part of that. And so I think that was probably the biggest moment. But There was a lot of little ones along the way where he just kept gaining confidence, but it was probably toc singles. Yeah,
0: I think I saw a quote in another interview that you did, and I I believe it was your quote saying that JW tennis doesn't need you, pickleball does. Correct.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's exact. That's a good. You quoted me exactly. (laughs) Yes. And he was struggling there for a little bit on what he wanted to do, and. As a parent, you don't want to influence your kids on something that big, and I felt in my heart the hardest thing for him was just to switch the gears, not that he didn't want to. I just didn't see him smiling and having fun in tennis like I saw in pickleball, and the bottom line for a parent is you like to see that for your kid, and life is hard enough. Why do something that why not do something that you're good at and you're having fun instead of something you're good at, but it stresses you out. And so I kind of, I was just sitting there one morning and I thought of that. And I, after I said it, I thought, I don't know if I should have said that to him (laughs) because, but I did. And who knows if he listened or not, I'm the parent, but I just, I still feel that way. Uh, Pickleball. We need more pros. We need more people. We definitely need more girls. And Tennis doesn't. It's a whole wide world out there that's playing. And he's already making a big impact for the younger players coming in. We did Next Gen a couple months ago in San Antonio. And there was a little boy at the tournament. And I was standing by his mom and he came running up to her and he goes, Mom. I just rode in the elevator with JW Johnson. <laughs> I thought that was so, so cute. So it just warmed my heart so much. And so I still feel that way, but I don't know that I should have said it to him.
0: That's awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Now, now we talk, okay, let's give e- equal time here to Georgia. Cause like you said, we do need especially more young women pros in, in the game. What do you say? What would you say was her defining moment?
1: So, um, Georgia and JW, I mean, they're good buddies and they love each other. And so she has been so pumped and so excited for her brother. And she loves coming along and seeing him and, and cheering for him. But I think her defining moment, I think she still probably hasn't really had it yet. The big moment, but it's coming, but When she was able to get to the finals in Casa Grande in December in singles, that was where I, it was almost like when JW won in Indianapolis, like you could see like, wow, okay, I can do this. I really can do this. And she beat a lot of good players that day. And I think that's what's really got her sparked. Then she was able to follow that up with getting on the medal stand again in Mesa last weekend and she beat more good players in that tournament and then this weekend she was able to finally get up over the hump and she got that medal and ran over they actually had the kids and this is what they do to me Lynn. it just it kills me they had both the kids playing their gold medals at the same time (laughs) I was like (laughs)
0: really goodness (laughs) I guess I guess a tournament director was not a mom huh
1: A hundred percent. Or the other thing, this is a total side note. There's hardly ever a tournament where I'm not going on to play a match that they don't put one of my kids right beside me. And that kills me worse than anything. I can run back and forth and look at both matches, but I cannot stand that. And I have to really focus and block things out because I have partners and that's not their problem that they have an unfocused partner. So I really have had to learn to deal with that. But anyway, so Georgia got her medal, and then she ran over. We ran over and we finished watching JW. We'd missed the first game because I really wanted to be there to watch her. It's super important. And we went over and watched JW win. And they were hugging each other, and they both turned and looked at me and was like, You better not let us down, Mom.
0: <laughs> oh
1: my goodness, you two. <laughs> No pressure. <laughs> so that was because my singles didn't start until noon that day. So they would both already finished. So they didn't mind dumping pressure on their mom to, to make sure we got that triple crown.
0: <laughs> Which, of course, you did all three winning singles at the same tournament.
1: Yeah, and I did it the hard way and they did it a much easier route. <laughs> oh, why was it hard for you? Oh, because I went and I lost my first round match. So I had to go all the way through the back draw to get
0: there. (laughs) So, All right. Well, one of the things when I have somebody on the podcast who has your background and as one of the top senior pros in the game, I do always like to have an opportunity to talk a little bit about some tips or some instructional portion of the game. And one interview that you did, you talked about a couple of things that I think are really interesting. And one of them is in order to improve, you need to break down and study film. Is that something all of you do? I would assume that any seasoned
1: athlete probably has that in their training, but that's a big assumption, Lynn. I don't know that. I honestly, I see all my senior pro friends at tournaments and we laugh, and we have fun, and we are so excited that there's anything competitive that we can do. I mean, it's just a joy. The people are a joy if you're up, and, and it's just a blessing to be up and going at our age. But do we sit around and talk about what we do to train? I don't think I ever have with any of them. However, I just broke down film this morning for a good hour and a half, so I, I would think that they would, but I don't know. And it's just a a very helpful teaching tool. And I can't imagine that they're not doing it, but I, I actually haven't asked. I don't know.
0: Now, when you said you spent an hour and a half today breaking down some game film, was that yours or your kids? Mine. Yeah, my kids do.
1: JW actually studies film all the time. He probably... Studies a match a day at least, and you'll watch him and are all say, "Well, how did you know to do that?" He goes, "Because I watched mom." Like he, he is very analytical when it comes to that. And Georgia, not so much, but she will go back and watch herself, and it's helpful. Like it's not fun, but it's very educational. We'll put it that way. So it's a great tool to learn from. And if you want it to be serious, like there's not a football team, a basketball team, a tennis player. I mean, that's just part of it. If you want to be a serious professional athlete, that's something you just need to do.
0: Now, when you break down a game film, let's say you do one match, how long does that take in terms of the analysis? Well, depends on how bad I played, Lance. If it's, uh, depends.
1: But yeah, so today, in that hour and a half, it was actually just one match. Typically, It's a little faster than that, but I was looking for some really specific things and patterns and what was working and exact court positioning and that kind of stuff. So, And there's still times, even if you've broken down film and looked, that you just have a bad match. And so then I'm constantly analyzing what I could have done differently. I learned a lot at this last tournament about just what I need to be doing while I'm at a tournament and boundaries I need to set. And I just, every day is a learning experience, so you just keep plugging on. So it's good. And as long as you're learning from it and improving, that's the best. But there were some distractions that were really great distractions, but they're still distractions. And it cost me a little bit. So uh, you got to learn how to manage some of those things.
0: That does sound like a challenge, and I think you're probably maybe referring to some things that were not happening during your match or was it happening during your match?
1: Yeah, not have like, there's a wonderful group of people that wanted to do something wonderful, but they needed a photo shoot. So we did the photo shoot during the tournament. And I'd thought nothing of it when they asked me, but probably shouldn't have done that. And then another thing was a wonderful award they gave during the tournament. It was very complimentary. It meant a lot to me because this company actually that presented the Sportsmanship Award, they wanted to donate to uh, my favorite charity. And I actually got really emotional because I wanted it donated to Gift of Life Bone Marrow Registry because we just lost a good friend in our pickleball community to leukemia. And anyway, the whole ceremony when it was slotted to take place was right when I should have been warming up for singles. (laughs) There's things a lot going on and you gotta to learn to balance and, and juggle and I don't know that I'm the best at it yet. There's other people who are probably much better at that than I am. I'm not good.
0: So but I'm learning. Well, I am sorry to hear about your friend, but it sounds like the money was going to a good cause and sorry for the distractions too. <laughs>
1: Well, it was, like I said, it's all first world problems. You just got to learn how to (laughs) sort some of that out a little bit. And it all comes from a good place. So there's no harm in any of that. But yeah, just to learn. And it, it was so wonderful. But part of it is that my kids are also playing. So I'm over there and I've had to learn that I can't watch them. The whole time, because I can get really amped up as a mom. Wow, you're living and dying with every point. And uh, thank goodness that this happened to me on a singles day. But I learned this lesson in Cincinnati last year when we went to that tournament. I was watching JW play singles, and it was a very tight match. I had laid my phone down, didn't hear my text that I was on court, and when I went out to play. I was so amped up. My hands were shaking. And so I thought, oh, my goodness, Julie, if you've been playing doubles to a partner this or with a partner, this would have been so unfair to them. So I, <laughs> I tell the kids, hey, listen, I'll watch when I can, but you're kind of on your own. <laughs> they're like, we're fine, mom. So Anyway, like I say, live and learn.
0: That's actually some really good thoughts because even if you're an amateur player, there's more and more situations where you've got mom and the kids playing in the tournament, and distractions are are really affect can affect anybody's performance, not just one of the top senior pros in in, in the world. So I guess a
1: thousand percent, that is very well said. Very true.
0: Yeah. Now you've mentioned a couple things and a couple situations that you would do differently is there in your next tournament you're not going to watch the kids as much you're going to pay more attention to your texts i mean are there other ways that you have determined that you do get distracted and you need to handle also moving going forward
1: Yes. So actually, JW is still unsigned. And so is Georgia with the paddle company. And so that's something we've been looking into and working on. And that was getting to be so overwhelming for me that we actually made the decision to hire an agent for the kids. And that has helped tremendously his ability to interject kind of, And pickleball is just such a fun in its community and its family in a lot of ways. And so they feel no uh, problem with coming up to the kids and talking to them during tournaments. But once again, it's not the time for that. Like they're there to play. How they do is important and to themselves and to uh, people they are already sponsored by. And so... Patrick has, his name's Patrick McGee, and he's done a wonderful job educating the kids, talking them through it, helping them understand what's important at a tournament and where they can draw some lines. And it's been really helpful.
0: All right. Well, very interesting. The world of pickleball is just changing so much and your whole family is just right there. Absolutely involved. And I could honestly talk to you all day, Julie, you are the (laughs) nicest person and I've learned so much as we've talked. So let me go ahead and finish up by thanking you wholeheartedly in terms of what you and your family are doing for the game. And thank you so much for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast.
1: Well, Lynn, I want to say the same thing. It's people like you who take the time to uh, connect us all and to care about us all that is so wonderful. I mean, the fact that you do this podcast and you reach out, it means a lot. And I want to thank you for the part you're playing, because this is what helps bring us all together and highlight the benefits and the good. So I think it's wonderful. Thank you, Lynn.
0: You are so welcome. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.